Hello, I am Panos Kodzathanasis, and I am here. this is Sazian Movie Pulse interviews, and I'm here with Amir Muhammad, director, producer, owner of Kuman Pictures. Hello, Amir. Hello, hello, Panos. Yeah. Hello. Uh, so to begin with, okay, let's take things from the beginning. How did you end up working in movies? Oh, um, <laughs> it's kind of a long story. Um, I, in university, I did law, but um, because <laughs> I, I didn't find it very interesting, I took a minor in film studies, which is of course very theoretical. It's, it's I mean, it's like it's not filmmaking. It's it's uh, the theory of movies. And I liked it so much that I decided to take filmmaking courses after university. And then um, when I got back to Malaysia, I got together with a bunch of friends and we made a movie with digital video. Uh, so we were the first one to make a Malaysian DV movie. Uh, this was in 2000. And um, the film uh, could not screen in cinemas because we finished it on video. We didn't transfer it to film. Uh, so... Um, So we rented halls and, and, and did things like that. So it's, it kind of started uh, uh, being part of a, a kind of a small movement that people made what they call indie movies, uh, you know, show it in small halls and show in festivals um, such as Rotterdam uh, and all that. Um, it's, it, it kind of lost steam after a while. <laughs> so it didn't last. I think by 2010, it was kind of like, It, it sort of uh, dissipated that kind of uh, what they call the Malaysian new wave, which is a, a label the, Mal the media gave. And, uh, mm -hmm. I never gave the, the name myself. Um, I think the reason it, it dissipated was that these films didn't really have much of a strong audience following, uh, especially in Malaysia. Uh, so after a while, you know, the momentum kind of uh, lost. So I stopped making movies for a while. Um, the last one was, I think, 2009 and then so I stopped for a long time in order to concentrate on book publishing. I have a book uh, publishing company. Uh, so after a few years of doing that, I thought, oh, I want to go back to filmmaking, but I wanted to do something where it is small scale um, and yet aiming for a kind of a bigger audience. Uh, so I chose the genre, so uh, specifically horror and thriller. And after reading Roger Corman's book, Uh, his memoirs. It was so inspiring. And after, of course, knowing about uh, studios like Blumhouse and, and um, A24, that kind of thing. Uh, so decided to have this model where make movies uh, uh, on relatively low budget. I mean, they're not micro budget, but they are like uh, maybe double or triple what a TV movie would cost, uh, but less than what a regular feature film made by a big company would, would spend. So we started the company in 2018. Um, Kuman Pictures, the, the name was sort of inspired by Roger Corman, uh, Kuman, mm -hmm. but, um, but also Kuman in Malay means germ. So it's like something that's very small that you don't mm -hmm. see uh, with the naked eye. That, so that was the idea. So we've done, we've completed, oh, I think five films by now. Um, Uh, the not all have been released yet, but uh, we've completed five. So, so that's that's how it is. So, so in my own, when I directed on my own uh, in the early 2000s, it was mainly like documentaries or semi-documentaries. Um, so the ones that I'm doing now under Kuman Pictures are very different. They are story-driven. They are genre pieces. But 
keeping a kind of independent spirit in the sense that uh, uh, we give the directors creative control uh, as long as they follow the budget, they don't burst the budget. Uh, yeah, so our first three films were Two Sisters, which was in Mandarin. And then the second was Ro, which is in Malay. And the third is Irul Ghost Hotel, uh, which is in Tamil. Uh, and the fourth is in, the fourth is Chirobo, which is in Malay again. And the fifth is called Dai Dai Top Student, which is in Chinese, uh, which is in Mandarin again. So um, in Malaysia, we have these three main languages, but usually companies will focus on just one. Um, so it did not occur to me that we were doing anything unusual, but it was pointed out to me that, oh, we're actually the first movie company that the first three films are in different three different languages. And I didn't realize that. So I thought, okay, that's a nice coincidence. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. It became like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Can you tell me a bit about the documentaries you, saw, you shot in the past? I, I have just seen the voyage to Terangano, uh, if I yeah, pronounce yeah. it correctly. And how are the rest? And yeah. um, Some are on YouTube. There's one called The Big Durian that was on YouTube. Um, and the one I did in Indonesia, that's called The Year of Living Vicariously. It's on YouTube. Uh, the rest are kind of harder to find. Even I don't have copies. Um, they are mainly a lot, sort of like essayistic, I guess. Um, uh, I really like the essay film form. Um, in fact, I just completed a new one. I'll send you a link. Um, yeah, it's um, we showed it in a few pri uh, private, uh, semi-public kind of screenings. Um, so they're not really commercial, commercially viable at all. Uh, it's the kind of films I enjoyed watching when I was in film school, I guess, uh, made by people like Chris Marker and, uh, and, and that, that kind of thing, uh, Errol Morris. I'm not saying it's their level, of course, but it's, it's uh, what it, and a filmmaker who I really like, um, who I think should be a lot better known is from the Philippines. His name is Kidlat Tahimik. And Kidlat Tahimik um, makes these documentaries that are very personal and very quirky and um, and uh, they just have this very uh, wild kind of aesthetic uh, sometimes, but sometimes it's very straightforward. And he mixes, you know, East and West and, and past and present and myth and fact and, and that kind of thing. So uh, I really like that kind of thing. So I decided to do something like that, uh, but in, in my own way, because I, I, I kind of started off as a, uh, I know I wrote for the newspapers, so I had newspaper columns and all that. So it had, I, there are certain issues I was interested in to do with, to do with the country, really. Uh, so so I, I chose the movie form or the documentary form as a way to expand on that, you know. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> the, the best known one, I think it's called The Last Communist. Um, it was in the Berlinale and, and it was, uh, and, uh, but it was banned in Malaysia. And, um, mm -hmm. And my reaction when it was banned was to make the sequel, which, <laughs> which is called, in English, it's called Village People Radio Show, which uh, the Malay title is totally different. Um, and both are about uh, the sort of history of the communist uh, movement in Malaysia. Um, but the first one in particular, it was about a former communist leader who, who was still alive when I was making it, but uh, already quite old. And... I chose not to show him at all. So, mm. so you don't even see a picture of him. Um, 
which some people found strange because it's like, where, where is he? <laughs> so I think I wanted to emphasize the fact that he's actually absent. He's not here. Mm -hmm. uh, he was in exile in, in Thailand. He was not allowed to come back. Uh, so, so I didn't even like want to meet him because it was more like the documentary was about his image and, and what, what people have said of him and all that. And, and most of the time, people aren't even talking about him. They're talking about other things, yeah. So that was, I guess, the, the best known because he got a lot of publicity when he got banned. Um, uh, so it was, and this was before social media, luckily, uh, because if not, then I think I, it would be quite uncomfortable to have people attacking attacking me, which was happening in the newspapers, all that. It's like people saying I'm a communist agent and, and things like that, which is like, <laughs> And I, you know, it was just very bewildering to have this concentrated campaign to get it banned and, and to get me punished and, and you know, to get uh, that kind of thing. But nothing happened. I mean, it just got banned. Nothing happened to me personally or whatever. I just moved on, moved on with my life. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, those are the kind of things I did. Yeah. Okay, so how do you balance this thing that you are directing documentaries, but you are producing horror films? Is like, is um, there a... I think everybody has uh, contradictions. Mm. Uh, like uh, it's that, that, that famous uh, Walt Whitman. Is it Walt Whitman? It was like I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm multituded. No, is it I'm multitude? I am. You know, there's a famous poem. I can't remember the, the exact lines, mm -hmm. but it's like I embrace contradictions because I think everybody is very contradictory. Uh, but so might as well embrace it. So, <laughs> so on the one hand, I I make this cheap horror. Well relatively cheap horror films that I want to sell and make money. Um, but we also have a royalty system. We, we share it with cast and crew. We are the only Malaysian company that does that. Uh, maybe that's a legacy of my interest in communism. <laughs> because, because communism, of course, in theory is beautiful because it means everybody shares. But of course, in practice, we have seen you know, many disastrous examples of, of uh, how mm. that is implemented. Um, so this is like the ideal communism where, you know, I'm not jailing anybody. I'm not putting anybody in gulag or whatever. And uh, <laughs> we share, we share our earnings. Yeah. And, and um, so, so I see that the things I do now, I'm trying to do one video essay per year. Mm -hmm. That's the goal I sell myself. And the things I do is totally not for profit. It, it cannot be sold literally because I don't have the rights to, you know, footages and all that. But it's more to do with, I, I, I kind of find it enjoyable and uh, that, that process. Uh, so I will keep doing that. Uh, yeah. So, and the movie side uh, is, yeah, it's interesting as well. Uh, but, you know, it is part of an industry. Uh, you, so you work within the industry. You have the all these various rules and, and, and all that. Um, so the ones I do for myself is just you, you break all these rules. So I think both are important to, mm -hmm. to do simultaneously, yeah. <laughs> and, and what about your work in publishing books? How How is that yeah. going? Uh, we've published about 270 books by now. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. uh, in the space of, uh, I started in 27, 2007. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, 27, is that the right way to say it? Or oh, 2007. So in 15 years, I've published about 270. Um, they are mainly pulp fiction. My, my current company is called Fixie. Um, so it's, uh, we publish like novels, uh, like horror, thriller, uh, cyberpunk, that kind of thing, uh, aimed at a younger Malaysian audience. 
And um, I saw, I did it because I wanted to break this kind of monotony I saw where a lot of commercial Malay fiction is very dominated by romance. Mm -hmm. So romance is like 95%. If you go to a shelf, it'd be all this sea of pink and blue. <laughs> you know, it's it's um, romance aimed at uh, female readers. Mm -hmm. Not to say that there's anything wrong with that. But when that becomes the, the main genre, like 95%, then it means that there's less variety. Uh, so I started this on the simple premise that if I were a teenager, I wouldn't want to read these books, uh, these, these romance books. Mm -hmm. Maybe I read one or two. I wouldn't want to read so many. So if I were a teenager, I would look for, you know, thriller, horror, that kind of thing. So I started publishing to cater to that. Uh, yeah, And unexpectedly, it became much more successful than anybody anticipated. People thought I would just make like, publish like 10 books and then kind of go away. Uh, but, but it's still there. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's something I learned as well, that, that you know, you, you only know how something will, uh, will uh, succeed uh, once you do it, uh, mm -hmm. because there are so many reasons not to do things. Um, so <laughs> might as well just do it, and, and maybe you will succeed, maybe you will fail, but you never know until you do it, yeah. Mm -hmm. What language are the books in? Are the... Uh, mainly in Malay. Um, mm -hmm because that's the main language of the country. If you want to sell a lot of copies, you have to publish in Malay. Uh, some are in English, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. The English uh, sales are much lower, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, have you ever thought of adapting any of those books for Kuman pictures? Uh, not under Kuman, because um, writers, novelists, they tend to have very wild imaginations. So, <laughs> so if you were to, you, to translate uh, similar to what the book is, it will cost a lot mm -hmm. because there will be explosions, there will be uh, zombies, there will be uh, car chasers and, and all these things. Um, so I decided that the movie side has to be separate. We develop original stories as a movie, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, on the book side, we have sold the rights to other movie companies who have mm -hmm. bigger budgets. Uh, so we've sold the rights to, I think, about six six books by now. Uh, not all have been produced, but the rights have been sold, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, in the past, you have cooperated with uh, Tan Choi Mui, if I am correct. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell me a bit about her and your cooperation? Uh, well, <clears throat> Tan Choi Mui and I, we, uh, well, she has a company called Da Huang Pictures, mm -hmm. and I'm a partner, but actually I don't do, I don't do much. I just sort of sign, <laughs> sign contracts <laughs> once in a while. So I'm actually not quite sure what, what's going on in the company. But uh, yeah, she's a very uh, intelligent person, very artistic. Uh, and uh, she has uh, very idiosyncratic ideas of, um, of how a movie should be made and how it should be released. For example, her latest film in Malaysia, it, was, it did not go to cinemas. It went to like, she would rent cinemas and then sell tickets on... Um, this online shopping platform, which you normally use to buy cookies. <laughs> you normally use oh, to really? buy like household, <laughs> you know, anything, uh, anything related to household. Like, like, for example, this coffee thing, I bought it on this platform. <laughs> it's called Shopee. So <laughs> it's this big, big uh, website. So I think she's the only one who thought of, oh, let's sell movie tickets on Shopee. Which of course sounds like, oh, that's so strange. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. So she did it, but unfortunately, because of 
you know, COVID restrictions and all that, it, I don't think it managed to go to all the places it, it tried to go to. So mm-hmm. I think they, it was supposed to be like a nationwide uh, tour, I think. This so, is barbarian, yeah, yeah. barbarian so, yeah, invasion, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And about uh, you, Sing Tat, you also cooperated with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, Lung Sing Tat. Um, uh, his first film was Flower in the Pocket, that was under Dahuang Pictures, made for a very low budget, it's about $20,000. And um, very funny, very quirky. And his short films also, you know, very funny, very quirky. And then he took a kind of a long time to make his next film. Um, men who saved the world. Um, I don't mind saying this publicly. I don't like that film that much uh, compared, <laughs> to the first, compared to the first one. And the same thing with Tan Chui Mui as well. Her latest film, I don't like it as much as her earlier stuff. Because I think for some people, the more money you have, the, 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 the less, you know, the less of your own personality somehow comes through. Uh, so... Because I think many people were involved, like like for example with Seng Tat's film, because it was a co-production for with so many countries. I think there was that element of too many people wanting to have their say. Uh, I think so. I assume because I was not uh, directly involved. Uh, so you know, if you go back to this earlier stuff where it's only him writing, only him directing, and and all that, I think that the result was much more fun uh, to watch. So yeah, I think that's the dilemma. A lot of a lot of Malaysian filmmakers actually make their best films on low budgets. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you give them a big budget, something kind of uh, something kind of doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. It needs a it needs a thesis to find out. Yeah, yeah. I I guess it is kind of a skill, right? Uh, like having a big budget and implementing yeah. it. It's a skill, right? It's not easy. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. yes. Mm. Okay. And uh, how about Namron? He's also in Raw. How is your cooperation with him? I actually met yeah, him uh, some years ago. So, oh, but, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Namron, I knew him from back when he was uh, doing theater. Mm. And uh, he would do this very low budget, very um, no no props, that kind of thing. Uh, so it's just like actors. And sometimes the stage would be bare. And sometimes the props would be things that are sort of like, like, something very minimal, but pretending to be something big, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so, and um, his mentor was uh, a man named uh, Christian Jit, uh, the late Christian Jit, who was a theatre director and very influential. So I think Namron learned, and James Lee also learned under, under him in the theatre scene. So Christian Jit never made any movies, but uh, quite a few of these um, filmmakers who you now think of as New Wave and all that, they have influence from, from theatre. Um, and so from the start, you can see Namron had, you know, very, uh, had a very strong vocabulary when it comes to performance, when it comes to directing. So he's not restrained by, you know, a play has to be a conventional thing, proscenium, that kind of thing. You know, you can have devised play, uh, you, can, you can play around with that. And Namron is another person who I think um, his best film is called Jalan Pintas. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it's called yeah, the English title would be uh, oh I, I don't know what the English title would be something shortcut I guess uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a short because that's what Jalan Pintas means literally it's like like taking a shortcut and I think that that film is so strong it, it it's like a fastbinder film and it's um it's very uh, raw and the, the emotional uh, tension is so strong even though actually very it's very minimally done you don't mm-hmm. see anything big. Uh, so I think that that's yeah his his best film. So and I told him that as well. 
uh, mm -hmm. here. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah, he's, he's definitely uh, someone who's very creative, uh, both mm -hmm. as actor and director, yeah. Yeah, what do you think of him as an actor, though? What's your opinion? I really liked him in Raw, I have to say. I think he was great uh, in that film, yeah. Well, uh, the standard joke that he has, I think he started this joke where he's the president of the dark actors, dark skin, dark skin actors club. Because in Malaysia, if you if you have dark skin, um, <laughs> you are considered less sexy. You're considered less, um, less commercial. Uh, so he doesn't get lead roles. They never give him lead roles because, so he says, okay, he might as well set up this association of association of dark skinned uh, male actors. Uh, so, so it's kind of a, he doesn't get, yeah, he tends not to get lead roles except for, you know, films that are quite art house or, or that kind of, which is a, kind of a shame, I guess, because he's definitely a better actor than, a lot of the other actors who, who get lead roles quite easily. Um, but uh, I think he's quite quite versatile as well. He can be convincing in a suit and he can mm -hmm. be convincing in a kind of a village wear, which not many actors can do both. I think some actors, they look very like, or you imagine them, they'll be in a suit, you know, uh, uh, or some, they are, you know, you think they're, they're a village type, but he can, he can kind of do both. So that's quite, mm -hmm. that's quite a rare achievement, yeah. Okay, and uh, you mentioned before about, about censorship. What is the situation now in Malaysia censorship in movies? Um, I mean, there, there is censorship for local and foreign movies. Um, like I recently saw, uh, you know, everything everywhere all at once. So certain things like, I don't know if the international version is also like certain things are pixelated to become funny. I don't know, you know, the, like the butt plug mm -hmm. thing. Is it is it pixelated in other? I, th I think uh, in other countries no, but yeah. Oh yeah, because I thought that was like part of the joke that it's <laughs> it's. Uh, but yeah, I guess we thought oh some somebody yeah. in the censorship board took the trouble to pixelate this plug um, <laughs> so that you don't you don't see it. Um, and you know films involving like gays and lesbians and all that usually don't don't get past censorship like something like. Brokeback Mountain or, or you know like uh, Call Me by Your Name that that was that will never be screened here. I mean it will just be banned. Um, so violence is not such a big problem. Mm. <laughs> violence you can get away with being very violent, um, uh, but things to do with sex and to do, things to do with religion, like a lot of um, films where they have like Muslim characters. Uh, you see this especially in Indian films, like. Um, if it's some kind of conflict to do with Hindu and Islam and all that, those films tend to get banned. Um, yeah, so so it's not, it's very unprogressive, our censorship board. Um, but I think we, instead of always complaining about censorship board, I think we should just make films for platforms that don't require censorship. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, if you, you know, if you sell a movie to Netflix, Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to go through Malaysian censorship, but not many people do that. Uh, they still want this, uh, you know, official mm -hmm. kind of uh, release. So I think that if you have the money, uh, why not try something? In fact, our next movie, we're trying to do it in such a way that we, we don't need censorship at all. We're just going to do something where it's released online for free. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, can, can you show uh, alcohol drinking in uh, Malaysian films? Or I think a lot depends on it's because there are rules, but the rules are not so 
precise sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. So the rule is probably something like you cannot be seen to promote alcohol. That's probably the rule. Uh, it's not like, oh, you cannot hold, you know, I, it depends on who, because the rule I think can be quite vague, general, but it depends on who is interpreting it. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, definitely I have seen movies with alcohol, um, but it depends on the context. Like if you show somebody is like drunk and that means he's a bad person, mm. uh, I think it should be okay rather than showing he is a good person and he also drinks. And he, uh, this only applies to Muslim characters. If it's a non-Muslim character, I, they can drink. There's no problem. Uh, but things like nudity, uh, that one is very objective. Like you cannot show nudity. That, that, you know, it's very... Um, mm -hmm. But things like a lot of the others are very like uh, subjective. It depends who is on the board. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I mean, our first three films, our first two films had no cuts at all. The third film, third film had some minor like uh, profanity, like like just like rude words. They were, were beeped out, so it's just fine. We, we took that. I think there were three three cuts, uh, not cuts. It's just the the dialogue is muted, um, but never had any major problems. Like they never told us to like reshoot, because some other films I know where they faced very big problems. Like they had to reshoot really, and then once you're doing that, you know you increase your budget. Uh, and mm. is the censorship board paying for this extra days of shoot? Of course not. Uh, it still comes from your pocket, right? Uh, so and I know of one film also that they sent the script to the censorship board and the script was approved. And when the film was shot according to this script, they had problems with it. They, they said, oh, you have to reshoot. Uh, so like, so what, what is there? It's just very inconsistent. It's, it's quite arbitrary. Mm. Mm -hmm. And uh, okay, since you mentioned uh, Netflix, uh, what is your opinion of the streaming services right now? The the impact they have. I think it's, it's it's great because more choice is always great. I mean, um, sometimes of course some people, older people like myself, uh, you're kind of nostalgic for the time when um, you know everybody gathers around TV and watches the same thing, mm -hmm. because Malaysia, up until the '90s, we had only three TV stations. Mm -hmm. um, up until the early 90s, I think. So, so everybody kind of saw the same things. So you have this kind of feeling that, oh, we're all very harmonious because everybody saw the A-Team. <laughs> everybody saw Cosby Show. Everybody saw whatever <laughs> Japanese, uh, uh, there's a very popular Japanese thing called Doremon. So everybody, you know, everybody has the same references. So now it's very split. People are watching thousands of different things, um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think this idea of big, uh, a big range of things to choose from is great. It's never happened before in history. And it's also a challenge to movie makers. Like previously, I think you can say that, oh, you have to support local movies uh, because uh, nobody else is making movies uh, in Malaysia. You have to support. So you cannot do that kind of thing anymore. Audiences are much more savvy. Uh, they are much more aware that why would I watch a crappy Malaysian movie when I can watch something better from, you know, Korea, from uh, Taiwan or some, or, or you know, the West? Um, so there's, it's an invitation to, it's a challenge also to filmmakers. What can you do that will retain an audience, knowing you don't have the budgets of these big uh, foreign things? So what can you do that is unique? Um, so yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and it's good that. 
you know, cinemas no longer have the monopoly on uh, mm. they decide what kind of films they want to promote and what kind of films they don't. Uh, and also, yeah, but but yeah, it's it's it's, it's no no thing. real no real bad things. Yeah, mm-hmm. mainly. Mm. Uh, you've sold the road to Netflix, right? Am I correct? Or yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Is that, are these uh, agreement is lucrative deals selling to Netflix? Um, in our case, no, because uh, we sold it two years after it came out, uh, mm. so it wasn't sold as a kind of a new film. It was sold as kind of a you know like a, a film that was already two years old. So I think it'll be lucrative if like it's a it premieres there. Uh, so. So that's a different thing. And of course, they have their own algorithms and all that. So uh, if you are from a country with a bigger domestic population, um, then I think, of course, they will pay more. Like um, uh, Malaysia is such a small country and only Malaysians actually watch Malaysian films, uh, which is a problem, of course. Uh, but so based on that influences what price they give, obviously. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you describe for me the, the audience in Malaysia? What movies do they like to see? Do they go to cinemas or what is the, what are their preferences? Let's see. Um, uh, I don't think our movie going public is very big um, because a lot of towns, the smaller towns, and all don't have cinemas, so it's very much concentrated in the bigger towns. And um, ticket prices have gone up a lot in the last 10 years. Um, it's like you know, double uh, what, what it used to be uh, in, in people's own living memories. So in terms of numbers, it probably does not compare to some other countries. Like I'm sure like India, uh, you know, you would have a higher percentage of population going. Um, here, I don't think we do. And some states don't have cinemas at all. They just don't, they don't allow it. Um, because it's, it's considered like uh, sinful. Uh, so, so um, Uh, like Tranganu, the, the one I showed you, and there's the whole state has only one cinema. So, um, so, but if if it's like a blockbuster film, people will make an effort to go. Like I was just looking at these box office figures last year. The number one movie was, of course, Spider Man, and it made 63 million ringgit, um, which is like uh, that's huge. So that's I think it's the biggest. Uh, ever performance by mm. any movie in, in Malaysia. So, and of course there are many different ticket prices, of course. So, so I don't know actually how many millions saw it, but an average, like a, a blockbuster Malaysian movie would make like 30 million plus. And this is really, really blockbuster, like, and so you can't reach that level, but um, most Malaysian movies tend to make maybe 1 million, <laughs> 1 million ringgit. Yeah, or less, yeah. So between half million to one ringgit. So it's, it's a quite a big range. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one, last year there was one film that made less than 2,000 million. So meaning only about 100 people watched it. Oh, okay. so, that, so that that's a really low, really low end. Then you have Spider-Man, which is like 63 million. So <laughs> there's a range. And, and it goes back to the earlier thing about choices. You know? So it's not like, oh, if you don't watch this movie, then there's nothing else to watch. No, that's not true. There's so many other things you can watch, yeah. Mm-hmm. And how has the audience received the Kuman Pictures movies? Um, um, uh, it's hard to say because I think we had this, it's kind of a good and bad thing that we set up just before the pandemic uh, because the good thing is that Roh managed to screen in cinema for like, I think seven weeks mm-hmm. uh, because there's no other film showing. <laughs> <laughs> 
because no one else wanted to release a film in that semi-lockdown mm. kind of thing. And we said, yeah, let's just go for it. And we had seven weeks. <laughs> Whereas if it's released in a more crowded time, like now, I think we will only have last maybe one week, or maybe two, maybe two weeks. So that was the good thing. But the bad thing is that, yeah, fewer people went to see it because people were scared of going out. Um, well, most of the Malaysian public is totally unaware of, of the existence of Kuman Pictures. Um, maybe we had a bit of publicity when uh, Roh won Best Picture at the Malaysian Film Festival. But I think even Malaysian Film Festival, not many people watch it. Uh, so <laughs> because it's not considered as entertaining as like singing, singing contests, because mm. ever there's a like a nationwide singing contest, they would get very high ratings. So the, the Malaysian Film Festival is, is, unfortunately, I think Malaysians have this very cynical attitude about local films. It's, um, and I'm not saying it's unwarranted. Uh, of course, uh, uh, people have their choice. But um, whenever people hear local movies, they'll think, oh, it's like, it's something tacky or it's something like, you know, shoddy, that kind of thing. Or, it, or it's kind of like a scam. You think it's like money laundering. People are just... <laughs> Uh, you know, pretending to make movies, but actually they're, they're, they're taking money from, from government grants and that kind of thing. So because there are a lot of movies that, you know, uh, have very negative reactions, uh, even whenever they release the trailers, like you have mainly negative reactions, like, oh, this is so crappy and all that. But having said that, in the past 10 years, especially there are some production companies that are very, savvy, uh, very clever in doing this kind of um, Hollywood style uh, uh, blockbuster kind of things. And those tend to please a lot of people. People find them very entertaining. And the biggest um, winners artistically in Malaysia are the animation films. We have some very good animation um, IPs that they started off as uh, TV series. And then they, after like 10 years on TV, then they make a feature film. And those are highly anticipated and those are very well done. And those are actually exportable. Like they were exported to China, exported to Middle East in the way that our other films cannot, our other films find it very hard to export. So yeah, so the animation industry, I would say is like the high point of uh, Malaysian filmmaking. Yeah, but, but for the most part, yeah, our... Malaysian audience, they're not very excited when they when they see like a poster for a Malaysian film and that kind of thing, yeah. And, but do you have a rough estimate of how many Malaysian movies are being produced every year? Oh, um, last year, only eight were released mm -hmm. widely. But uh, the year before, it was like 50. So in a, no, no, I mean, in 2019, it was 50. Then it dropped and then because of pandemic. But now it's going back to normal. So it tends to be about 50 a year released. Um, and sometimes there's this odd thing where a movie is sort of made for the big screen, but then they encounter funding problems or whatever. Uh, they cannot afford to promote it. Because of course, to release a movie cinema, you need promotion budget. So sometimes a movie is sort of anticipated as being, oh, this is coming to a cinema. But at the end, it goes on TV instead. It goes straight to this. Um, we have this platform called Astrofest where mm -hmm. it, it's a TVOD. So you pay the price of a cinema ticket to watch it within, I think, 48 hours. So it's like 
and that some films go straight there instead of going to to cinema and some films do very well uh by doing that uh so so yeah so i say 50 films are released in cinema but more are made uh and uh, because they end up premiering in other platforms so they premiere on netflix or disney plus that kind of thing okay and does the government help with uh, financing at all or yeah because there is um our national film board they give out film grants um and in fact we just completed a movie <laughs> made with such a film grant um mm-hmm. the movie is called die die top student it's in mandarin it's a um, horror comedy so it was a part of a government sort of a grant scheme to encourage people to make movies again uh during the pandemic mm-hmm. so so um yeah we were quite it was it was a grant that was announced very quickly it's like oh there is this money and then so you apply quickly and then we got it so that is the first movie so that's our fifth movie and the first one we made with a grant uh the other four are, are not uh, it's our own money so but there are other filmmakers i can assure you that every single film of theirs was made with grants so <laughs> so so it's it's kind of a spectrum some people rely on grants as their sole source of funding uh and and they keep making film after film like that uh but most will have a kind of a mixture you you know have a bit grant here and then a bit of your uh sort of private money uh mm-hmm. so yeah i mean there, there is there is financing for movies definitely yeah Mm-hmm. Is piracy still a problem in Malaysia? Or... Uh, piracy always was a problem. Um, of course, it, it's a different form of piracy now. Now it's it's download, you know. Down now it's a, a, a digital, right? It's it's online. So um, uh, there's a lot, like um, especially if a film comes out on Astrophus, which is a TV thing, of course. Like two days later, it, it you can find <laughs> it online. Uh, people will share it on Facebook. uh people will share it on telegram which is this uh app um so yeah it, it's always there and um i don't think you can you can completely stop it um and and in a way um this may sound like an odd thing to say but um i would be insulted if i if i made a movie and it's not pirated <laughs> so I, i know this for a fact because our movie two sisters until now is not pirated so <laughs> where is the other two the other two are So like uh, you hope they give you a bit of time lah to recover the money and then it's pirated it's fine. Uh, you don't pirate on the first day, uh, right? But yeah, I do think it's something you can avoid. And um speaking from my uh communist perspective again, um <laughs> I think it's not necessarily a bad thing because I think piracy is a it's a parallel economy. Um of course now people don't make money directly but in the old days people sold VHS and they sold DVDs. Mm. In fact, um, the hero of Yasmin Ahmad's film Sepet, uh, he's a pirated video seller, uh-huh. and uh, it's kind of hinted why he does that because he is Chinese and uh, he doesn't doesn't have the same opportunities uh, that the Malay girl had because she has a scholarship to study overseas, even though it's sort of explicitly stated. Actually, his results are better. uh but he doesn't have this kind of opportunity so i mean not to romanticize it i mean of course objectively speaking piracy is still theft but you can't judge um uh, why somebody would want to do that because sometimes they it's 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 a way it's the way things work it becomes a parallel economy 
Mm-hmm. And, 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 and back in the old days when there was uh, a lot of piracy, in a lot of the times, the pirated shop would be right next to a police station. Uh, so, <laughs> so you wonder how come? <laughs> but, so best customers were policemen? Or? <laughs> oh, oh, they protect you. Uh, they protect you, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, can you tell me a bit about uh, this sick which I met in a seminar last year? So you are, you cooperate? Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, we cooperate with yeah, Karen. She, she, produces, she produces our movies. Um, uh, so all of our movies, she is the co-producer representing uh, Kuman, and the director will bring their own producer. Uh, so they will work together. So um, I think it's worked out very well because um, this ensures that the director and his own team, they have their own creative freedom, but we on our side make sure, uh, you know, the budgets don't get exceeded and uh, you, you, you stick to the, you don't exceed your shooting dates because once you do, then there'll be problems. So all of our films, none of them went over budget. Uh, well, some a bit, but it's still within the contingency thing. And then uh, none were, you know, the, the, the shoot became out of control that you couldn't finish the shoot uh, uh, within your allocated days. Uh, yeah, but but having said that, you know, each film has its own, <laughs> its own set of problems, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But um, so far, you know, we've never had a film that, you know, you you shoot it and then you cannot finish it. Uh, which there are other films like that. Um, so which is like um, they, they'll be very scary if that happens because like you've already spent money and and something about it means you can't finish it. Then it will take years and years. Yeah. So so far no lah. So far, <laughs> and hopefully never. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, and I guess uh, last question, any information about future projects? You also mentioned some, but also yourself as a director and for Kuman Pictures. Yeah, um, uh, the, um, uh, we are planning a crowdfunding movie, actually. We haven't announced it yet. And um, we love the script. We, we first read the script three years ago. And when we first read it, we thought this script is so good, but it will never get past censorship board uncut. They would want certain cuts because it's about racism and all that. And I thought it's such a shame because if you make these cuts, the film won't be the same. It will become something, you know, whereas I think the strength of this film is that, you know, it's it's quite straightforward in some ways, even though it's kind of a fantasy film. So so we kept it for like three years, not really knowing what to do with it. Um, and uh, And finally this year we decided, why not we go through a crowdfunding route where people give us money to make it uh, because otherwise the film cannot be made. But in return, the film is available for free. So we don't make money from it. Uh, so I think that's a thing because there's never been a crowdfunding movie in Malaysia before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it may not succeed. Who knows? We, we may not get uh, our target, but we will shoot something. Yeah, even if it's a low budget, we will shoot something with that. So that's that promise. So that is the next one. And the one after that is um, will be the winner of our script writing contest mm-hmm. uh, every two years we have. So we don't know the winner yet because the deadline is at the end of this month. So by July, we will know the winner. And hopefully we can shoot that also end of this year. And that will be directed by Emir Iswan who directed Roh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. Thank you very okay. much. Thank you, thank you. Okay. I will give you that link I talked about, yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. So this was Asian Movie Pulse interviews from Panos Khodzafanas and Amir Muhammad. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye-bye.
<laughs> okay. All right.